Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your series-by-series check-in for Cubs news, notes, and banter. You can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi, I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek, and I'm very disappointed to be living in St. Louis this week. Oh, I know. Okay, we're going to talk more about St. Louis in one second. Before we do, I just want to flag for our listeners that later this afternoon, we're going to be releasing a special draft preview edition of the podcast. So today we're going to cover first um, a look back at the series in St. Louis, and then we'll do our regular look ahead to what's going on next, uh, this next series with the Cubs. It's actually a little bit different than normal because they have a game with the Angels. It's a makeup game followed by a three-game set with the Rockies. But uh, yeah, <laughs> St. Louis. <laughs> Ugh. Painful. That was awesome fun. Um, so the Cubs have not really been doing all that great since they split that series with the Phillies at Wrigley Field. They've lost three series in a row. These losses in St. Louis had a little bit of everything, and they are no longer in first place. As of this recording, they are a game and a half in back of the Brewers and a game and a half ahead of the Cardinals. Andy, you got to see some of these games. What what, what were you thinking? Uh, it was absolutely brutal. So Friday night, you know, I and I'm going to just go ahead and say this, and um, I, I, I don't have quite the proper way to explain it, but something just felt very off about this series. Like being there in person, something just didn't feel like a normal Cubs Cardinal series. I don't know if it was the lack of fans that they usually have turn out for this series. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but just something felt off. Something felt different. So, um, and just so you guys know, this is the kind of um, stuff that I was hearing over the weekend. The Cardinals had not won back-to-back games the entire month of May. They had not. Not won back-to-back games. Guess when they did that? Thursday and then Friday against the Cubs. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying series, people. I'm saying games. They had not won back-to-back games the month of May. So, wrap your brain around that a little bit. So, this was not... um not what I would call a hot Cardinals team coming in, but they definitely, um, they won on Thursday. They were out for vengeance from the previous series with the Cubs where the Cubs swept them in Chicago. I mean, and I, I'm going to be, go ahead and be the first to admit, I was completely wrong about how I thought this series would, um, would turn out just because, you know, you kind of felt like for a while that the Cardinals were definitely the weaker team. And, you know, after this series, the Cubs definitely did not play Cubs baseball, but you kind of have to wonder this, this Cardinals team is going to um, step it up a notch against the Cubs every chance they get. And they definitely did that this series and everybody, everybody and everything that I thought could go wrong with the Cardinals did not. So um, yeah, it was tough. It was tough to watch. Yeah. I, I'm not too, I guess the best way I can, I can put my thoughts on these games after watching them is that the Cardinals took advantage of the chances that they were given and it really didn't feel like the Cubs did. And so there was a little bit of luck to all sorts of moments of this series. I mean, I think that a lot of us can agree that the walk-off win on Friday night was a lot of luck due to Laz Diaz's absolute inability to see Dylan Maples throwing strikes, uh, which was unbelievable 
and kind of ridiculous. But granted, you know, Maples then didn't do a great job to the next batter. C-Sheck came in and it was over. Um, so it's not just on Diaz, but he certainly helped in a extra inning situation. But even beyond that, in today's game, so today is Sunday, um, you know, Anthony Rizzo with two runners on came out in, in a situation where Wainwright was totally gassed and hit a ball that drops for a hit, something like with a, like had a batting average expectancy of like 940 or 980 on it. I mean, Colton Wong just made an incredible play and the Cubs didn't take advantage of that opportunity. And it felt like this series sort of continued the trend of what we had seen with the Cincinnati series and with the Astros series where the Cubs just cannot catch a break. And it's not so much that the baseball is terrible as that they're not getting any balls to go their way. And so the baseball looks pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the numbers, left on base a total of 19 times over this weekend. Uh, team runners in scoring position, we were 1 for 16 for the entire weekend. Strikeouts, we had 29 strikeouts over the weekend and took 14 walks. Sunday alone, we had eight walks. We scored one run. Yeah, did like, absolutely nothing with it. Right. Nothing with Adam Wainwright just walking the land. He was just walking the entire universe. I mean, and he had nine strikeouts. So, you know, we're either walking or striking out, but we can't do anything with the guys that we're getting on base. So it, it's like, oh, my goodness. It's so, so infuriating. They're giving us all these free runners and we're not doing a thing with them. I mean, that's really hard to swallow. Yeah. And, you know, that was the other thing. There were The Cubs just have been in this runners and scoring position hitting drought and we've talked about it on this podcast before but it really you could see it again in St. Louis there was a period where they were either zero for 25 or zero for 27 with runners in scoring position and of all the things to break that they broke it with a Daniel Descalso bunt single (laughs) it was just like my kingdom for a bases clearing double (laughs) can someone make hard contact with a baseball, with runners in scoring position, and get something going and give this team a little bit of a boost. Because I really just, it feels like it's been two weeks since that has happened. Oh my goodness, you are not lying. I tell you what, all of um, Anthony Rizzo's at-bats on Friday, I was calling a home run. I just felt like, you know, this is his moment. I felt like it was... Um, he was going to go up there. He usually hits very well in St. Louis. I always, I feel like I'm always cheering for a Rizzo hit, double, home run, whatever. Nothing. I got nothing on Friday. Well, thankfully I got it on Saturday. Um, I believe he hit one in the first inning on Saturday. Or was it the second inning? He did. Second. Yeah. First uh, inning. It was first sure inning. What inning it was. I was actually, um, having a beer, with Evan Altman from Cubs Insider. And we were talking about this when we both cut the alerts on our phone that Rizzo had hit a home run. Yes. I want to say it was first inning because I think Haywards was second inning then. So, um, but yeah, so I finally got it right there. But it was just, it was one of those things where, and like watching Chris Bryant, you know, strike out as many times as he did this weekend, that was extremely painful. I mean, you know, aside of the booze, which, you know, please don't ask me if if I think that the booze are getting in his head because he's a professional athlete. He probably doesn't even hear them. You know, um, I just it was hard. It was hard to watch all that when we we felt like we were kind of turning a corner and possibly these guys could start to heat back up. But, you know, it just was not meant to be this weekend. So 
I mean, it's really all you can say at this point. Yeah, I mean, baseball is going to baseball to some extent. I mean, Chris Bryant didn't have a great approach at the plate in St. Louis. I know that he will get that back. I have no concerns about Chris Bryant at the moment. Anthony Rizzo did have a pretty good approach at the plate. I mean, he had a 13-game hit streak coming into today, and I honestly, that Colton Wong flair I really thought was going to drop and continue his hit streak, but it didn't. He's He's looked incredible at the plate over the last couple of weeks. Um, the other thing about game three that I just want to flag here, because I, managerial decisions are something that we haven't talked a ton about on this podcast, but I thought it was really interesting to see, you know, both Cole Hamels and Adam Wainwright were having a really great day's pitching. It was a kind of classic pitching duel. I made a joke on the last podcast that this would have been a great pitchers matchup in 2012. It turns out it is also a great pitching matchup in 2019, at least on this particular Sunday. But it was kind of wild looking at their pitch counts. So through seven innings, um, Cole Hamels was at 84 pitches. He had had a really good game, all things considered. I mean, he was down, the Cubs were down a run because of a throwing error that Wilson Contreras made, but he'd only given up two hits. He had only walked two guys. He wasn't like striking out a ton of batters. He had had um, four Ks throughout his seven innings and he'd had some luck with some double play balls. They'd gotten out of a couple of jams with a couple of double play balls. But I really, the fact that Madden, you know, pulls Hamels there and has to go to his bullpen where Mike Schilt just lets Adam Wainwright keep throwing in the eighth through 126 pitches through that eighth inning. And I was, I thought that was a little bit suspect. I mean, I know it worked out for the Cardinals today, but for him to have Adam Wainwright throw that many pitches to get through the eighth inning when he looked totally gassed, didn't have his best stuff. Like you said earlier, uh, Wainwright was responsible for seven of the eight walks that the Cardinals gave up against the Cubs on Sunday. And then he brings in Jordan Hicks. And I was really surprised by this because Hicks threw a ton of pitches and across two innings on Friday. And so I had made a comment on Friday night that we weren't going to see Jordan Hicks again because he was at something like 33 or 38 pitches when he left the game on Friday. And then here he comes out to pitch the ninth inning on Sunday, which was just kind of mind boggling to me. So the, the managerial decisions here really had me going, hmm. Um, that kind of brings me back to when we discussed how Milwaukee had Josh Hader pitching um, as much as he was pitching against us that first first series in Milwaukee. I question that move as well because that's a lot of pitches for him. That's a, I mean, that's a ton of pitches for him. And then he's to young. Come back, I mean, he's so young. And yes, he's a fireball thrower. I mean, I mean, if they if you looked at the top ten fastest pitches in major leagues today, I think he has something like seven of them. Like it's yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It's remarkable. Um, But here's the thing. I mean, you're really, you're really messing with the durability of his arm. You know, you're really toying with that. And, you know, come the end of the season, you're going to look back at some of these, some of these different situations where he was put in, where it probably was not as necessary as, you know, you putting, you actually putting him in that situation. I just, I don't think it's, yeah, like you said, the, the, I don't have, you know, I can't put manager on my resume, but it just, to me, it's like, it, it seems like it's a little premature to feel like it's, you know, that big of a situation to put him in again and, and eat up, you know, more innings for him. It just, 
you, you seem like that's like your new shiny toy. Put it back on the shelf and let it sit for a while. You know what I mean? Like give it, give it a rest. Like he, he worked hard on Friday and, and that arm is, he might be picking that up off the ground at the end of the season. Well, and that, and that was sort of the thing that I kept thinking about it. I, and it didn't work out for them today. I mean, Hicks really didn't have it. He wound up uh, issuing a couple of walks. He threw a fastball 101 miles per hour up and in on Wilson Contreras that I, I was furious. You should, he doesn't have the type of control to be throwing 101 mile per hour fastball up and in on any player that is dangerous. And frankly had me a little bit livid on my couch, not solely because I am the president of the Wilson Contreras fan club. Um, but the, <laughs> I, I was, I was livid. That pitch is terrible. You can't throw that pitch that close to somebody's head when you don't have great control, Jordan Hicks, you just can't got to tone that back a little bit, buddy. Um, but I, I really, I feel like both the Brewers and the Cardinals, they're going lights out in May and June. And I understand it. I get it. You've been chasing down the Cubs for a few years now. But I have a lot more confidence in the Cubs to get it done over five months than I do for these types of strategies of, you know, multiple innings of Hater, multiple innings of Hicks, Hicks pitching multiple innings and only taking a day off before he pitches again, working out for the Cardinals uh, and the Brewers for that matter. So I'm I'm hopeful that, this will even out over the course of a long season, but it wasn't pretty to watch the Cubs get swept in St. Louis. Yeah. I, I mean, I, we both, we obviously both feel that way. And we've said that for a while. And I think towards the end of the season, it won't surprise me when we're having conversations about, you know, these guys maybe even be being put on the IL just simply to, you know, get them off the roster and give them some rest, you know, at the end of the season, because just these innings, they add up and the amount of torque that you have when you are throwing the ball at the speed that someone like Jordan Hicks throws. I mean, that really takes a toll, not only on your arm and your shoulder, but your entire body. I mean, it's just, it's taxing. And to see him, you know, be put to use, I have to say, and like, I never wish harm on anybody. I will never say, anything like that about anybody. But I have to say, I actually appreciate that he, that Hicks and Hayter are being used as much as they are this early in the season, because that may end up helping us, especially since obviously right now we don't even have the closer that we're going to end the season with. So that's, that's certainly true. I mean, there were, speaking of the closer situation, uh, you know, Pedro Strope has had a successful rehab down in Iowa. According to everything that I've read, there are rumors that he should be back up soon, which Please come back, Hats Left. We need you. Um, and there were some rumors possibly linking the Cubs to Craig Kimbrell this last week, which I thought were pretty interesting. Um, Ken Rosenthal had a piece in The Athletic looking at how the Cubs – and this is an unfortunate reason that they may be linked to Craig Kimbrell. I want to be very clear, but that the Ben Zober situation may have actually opened up some financial flexibility. And so it sounds like the Cubs are doing a check-in on Kimbrel and what he's thinking. And since there will no longer be a draft pick associated with signing him after Wednesday, that is certainly something to keep an eye on. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. I also read that same piece and uh, was kind of thinking that, I mean, it makes me sad and, and breaks my heart that that's where we're at. But unfortunately, like I've said before too, if you're the Chicago Cubs, you have to kind of just do your best at preparing for life without Ben Zobrist. And and that unfortunately is a reality right now. You know, if you can find a silver lining on it, it it's going to be that it's opened up some money for us. So. 
Yeah, and I guess the other noteworthy signing to uh, point to there, in case you missed it, is that the Cubs signed Carlos Gonzalez to a minor league deal. Uh, he is working out in Iowa right now. You know, it, it, it's kind of wild. He's only 33 years old. I know he really fell off uh, the last couple of years, and he did not have a good start with the Indians, who's only batting about 210 across 30 games. But he... He's a young guy, and fairly recently he was an all-star. So I think that it's, you know, that could be a player who would love nothing more than to work out well in Iowa and come back and have an impact on this Cubs team. Yeah, and I did read that he went 0 for 4 in his first uh, first game in the Cubs minors. But here's the thing. Um, he having someone like him on a mediocre day is still going to be better than some of our options right now that are on the major league team. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing him up in the bigs. Hopefully, you know, after he can get, I I did read later. um, I think it was yesterday that they want him to have a few games under his belt at at the minors before they call him up. So I, I was reading and seeing that it would maybe be this week that we would see him and maybe we still will at the end of the week, but I I'm guessing it will be, that would be the earliest. All right. I mean, is there anything else we want to talk about, about this St. Louis series or do we just want to put this one behind us and hope that this is what we look back on as the downside of the Cubs season? I mean, it is worth noting our friends at Bleacher Nation crunched the numbers on this and tweeted this out earlier today, but that, you know, everybody felt so terrible after that two seven start that the Cubs had. Well, they just had a two eight stretch of baseball and frankly, it also feels terrible, but it doesn't feel quite as gloom worthy as that two seven start. I saw that too. And I was like, I, I think that's really funny because when we started out two and seven, everybody was like, you know, it's because it's the beginning of the season. If this happens in May, June, or July, it's tucked away already in, in the season is in full force and you don't hardly notice it as much. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm noticing this and it is not fun. So if we can go ahead and get this turned around, that would be great. If we can, yeah, you know. I- I agree. This is is noticeable. uh, I would just like to flag for everybody out there that was like, oh, you won't notice it. I'm noticing it. You Uh, read that too? I I remember reading that and thinking, no, I'm still going to feel this in May or June or July. I'm still going to know that they're two and seven or two and eight. And it's especially when you're, you know, losing to teams like Cincinnati and then get swept in St. Louis. Like not fun. Yeah. No, not, not fun at all. And so it would be really nice if the Cubs could do what they did at the start of the season and turn this one around. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what some of the ways they may go about turning things around after the break, but for right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. And we are back. So we're going to talk about a couple of different teams here on the second half of the podcast, which is a little bit different than what we normally do. But the Cubs have a makeup game against the Angels to start things off this week. On Monday, it's got an odd start time of 3.05 Central. Uh, Let's talk first about the Angels before we do a deep dive into the Rockies, which will be just a normal series uh, three-game set against the Cubs. So that Angels game is a makeup of Jackie Robinson Day, which means if you have tickets to that game, you will there should be all of the regular planned festivities around Jackie Robinson Day the giveaways will be the same and I imagine that the teams will both will both be wearing number 42 just like they planned to do originally what are you looking for with the Angels coming to Wrigley Uh, Tommy Listella how I miss you 
Tommy Lasella. Okay, so the all-star voting opened last week, and I was going through doing my, like, NL ballot, which I knew really well, and then I sorted the ballot by ops, and I just kind of did my thing. And there is Tommy Lastella at the top at second base, and I was like, yes, I'm going to vote for Tommy Lastella to be an all-star, and I don't even feel bad about it, not even a little bit. He's raking. He, he He's going to be an all-star. He And I... You know, after a couple weeks and half joking into the season, and I think he had like he had hit something like four home runs in like his first seven games or something ridiculous. And I was like, Yeah, I bet he makes the all star game. Now I'm actually, I actually could be right. (laughs) I think think you're right. I think that anybody who's well, first off, it's not a very strong position anyway, it's not like he has competition from some perennial all star right there that he just can't beat. Jose Altuve is hurt. So that would be your traditional, like, make this person an all-star person. And Listella's numbers look fantastic. So Cubs fans, get out there and vote. And don't feel bad at all if on your all-star ballot you're voting for Tommy Listella to start at second base for the, for the all-star game for the Angels. I mean, this is insane. I'm looking at his numbers compared, comparing so far this season, which it's June, what, it's June 2nd. And I'm looking at his numbers comparing to all of 2018. I mean, this is this is nuts. Like, his doubles, he's already got four. All of last year, he had eight. Home runs, he has 12. Okay, if you people didn't know that Tommy LaStella has 12 home runs, you need to start reading MLB.com. Because I promise you, he's been on that main page, like, almost every day for, like, the past two weeks almost it is insane to me when you're reading the headlines and Tommy LaStella is showing up on MLP.com <laughs> like what yeah. what year what year is this like where and where did this guy come from I mean, he, had, he had one home run last year he had one home run well right and I was gonna say in fairness I, this this is the year it's like the only year this was never time power was never really Tommy LaStella's game <laughs> Right. right. It seems to be working out for him right now. And I, you know, I'm happy for him. He's getting a chance to play every day and he's making the most of it. And you've just got to love it when that works out for a guy. I, and Tommy's a great guy. So I'm, I'm happy for him. I, I, I wish mean, that Daniel Descalso was having half the season that Tommy Lastella is having. Well, that's what I'm saying. We were, I mean, I was a little bit excited about Daniel Descalso because, you know, coming in, he had a pretty good reputation for being a great clubhouse guy. And, you know, he, for a utility player off the bench, not terrible, you know, I mean, and a lot of people, and I won't, I don't have receipts and I was not one of them said that he was an upgrade from Tommy LaStella. Well, that I is a bold face. I'm just going to out myself because I'm relatively certain that there is an article or two out there with my name on it that definitely says that I think that Daniel Descalso is an upgrade over Tommy LaStella. That listen, and that is so untrue, but nobody saw this coming. This wasn't like he was like trending in this direction or anything. You don't no. go from one home run all of 2018 to 12 through what two months in 2019. Like, yeah, this wasn't like a plate appearance thing. It's not like right. if you just took Tommy Lastella's numbers and like projected them across multiple plate appearances. You got power hitter Tommy Lastella. Right. Well, and I mean, this just tells you in all of 2018, he played in 123 games and had 169 at bats. So far in 2019, he's played in 54 games and he's had 185 at bats. Like, that's insane. That's crazy. 
the guy the most of his opportunity. Exactly. Exactly. He's totally taking advantage of it and he should. Yeah, he is a great guy. And I really miss him in a Cubs uniform. I can't wait to see what they do for him tomorrow. So if you have the ability to get to that game at Wrigley, or if you just um, are looking for something to listen to as your workday comes to a close, the other reason that you should absolutely listen to this game is that it's likely the last time that we will see Mike Trout at Wrigley Field for a while. And Mike Trout, greatest baseball player on the planet, not particularly close, is having a slightly down year for him. He is only the second best player in baseball by F4 right now. He is trailing a red hot Christian Yelich. Um, but the, you know, slightly down year for Mike Trout means that he is slashing 289, 461, 600, oh, which my <laughs> Mike wow. Trout is a ridiculous human being and he should get more love. So uh, if you have not had the chance to see Mike Trout play recently, you're going to get your chance tomorrow at Wrigley Field and definitely take advantage of watching Mike Trout play at Wrigley Field. Yeah, I mean that that's a huge opportunity for Cubs fans and you definitely you guys need to need to go ahead and get down to the park cuz that will be that'll be one for the ages for sure. Yeah, he's just such an underrated superstar. But and what I mean by that is that people don't talk about him the way they talked about, you know, Michael Jordan greatest basketball player ever, but that that is what Mike Trout is doing right now. He is the greatest baseball player of his generation. He is consistently the greatest baseball player of his generation. He puts up numbers that are eye-popping year after year after year. And because he's doing it in Anaheim, it's just not getting all that much love. But he's incredible. And if you don't watch him a lot because those games are on late, take advantage of a game that will not be on that late and watch him play the Cubs. Yeah, and like you said, a lot of why he's not talked about is because of the market size he plays in. But his talent is going to surpass the market size. I mean, that's that's not going to be an obstacle for him, you know, much, much longer. I, I mean, we talk about him because, you know, we pay attention to baseball. Your casual everyday fan that doesn't know much about him will soon know a lot about him. I mean, he's just – he's somebody you can't ignore no matter if you see him play or not you know, do your due diligence and, 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 you know, watch some highlights or read about, read an article or two about him because he is a great human being as well. And that makes it really easy to cheer for him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It'll be fun to see Mike Trout at Wrigley Field on Monday. Um, Starting that game for the Angels uh, will be a familiar face. Our old pal Trevor Cahill is a starter for the Angels. He has not been having a tremendous 2019. He's having kind of the opposite of the Tommy LaStella effect down there in Anaheim. Uh, he had a quite bad 8.22 ERA in the month of May, and he's not doing particularly well either at home or on the road. Uh, on the road, he's posted a 6.75 ERA in 30 and two-thirds innings this year. So hopefully the Cubs bats can wake up and take advantage of a struggling Trevor Cahill and get something going here in this uh one game, one game makeup against the Angels. He'll be facing John Lester, by the way, who has struggled in his last few starts, but maybe can get some, maybe can get some things back uh, on track at Wrigley Field. Yeah, I agree. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But I mean, you know, I felt pretty good about this offense coming into St. Louis and and doing some damage, and that didn't happen. So at some point, these bats have to wake up. Um, you know, it, it's and it, you can you can never it's always a guess. It's always a, you know, looking at the numbers and, and predicting based on matchups and that sort of thing. But, you know, I think 
this gives us a great chance to at least start to to get lukewarm at least you know cold is not a good option going into the series against Colorado so hopefully we can we can get some good at bats and and uh you know score some runs get our offense at least on the right track jeez man it'd be nice to to hear the sound of the the bat hitting the ball and like in play you know <laughs> Yeah, totally. I mean, and speaking of the Rockies, you know, the Rockies got off to a rough start in 2019, and I I was a little bit worried about them, and I I didn't really need to be worried about them. They have been red hot of late. We actually reached out to um, some friends on Rockies Twitter. I'm going to pause here for a second. If you don't follow Rockies Twitter, you you totally should. You are missing out. Rockies Twitter is really fun. I started following them last year during the wild card game that we're not going to talk too much about because it was really sad. Um, but the best thing that came out of that game was following a bunch of Rockies baseball fans and in particular the at Rockies account because they're just funny and fun and they're great baseball people. But so I reached out to some of them in order to you know, find out what's going on in Rockies land and what we can expect with them headed to Wrigley Field on Tuesday and my good friend, uh, Renee Deckert, who writes for the Rocky site Purple Row on SB Nation, sent back just a ton of information about what we can expect with the Rockies coming to Wrigley Field. You can follow her, by the way, for this series or even longer, and you should because she's great, at, at 307 Renee. Um, but she mentioned, you know, that Nolan Arenado, as you can expect, is just on fire right now. We probably... We'll not see Charlie Blackman in this series. He's He's been on the IL, and she thinks that he's going to stay there. Um, she said that Romeo Tapia is playing in left field and really making a name for himself. Ian Desmond is having a surprisingly good year. And in case y'all were wondering, the, the pitcher that really mystified Cubs batters during the wild card game, Kyle Freeland, will not be with the Rockies during this trip, he's had a really terrible start to 2019 and just got sent to AAA Albuquerque. So there's going to be some changes, maybe some prospects getting called up. Um, and that'll be really interesting. One final note before uh, I turn things over to Andy to see what she's looking for. Renee also mentioned that former Cub Wade Davis has been dealing with some injuries and it's really unclear whether he'll pitch at Wrigley field or not. So um, keep an eye on the late innings there. It looks like the Rockies are without their closer. Yeah, I'm not particularly excited about this series. I do follow um, Rockies Twitter, and they are awesome. They are, um, if I was not a fan of baseball, I would follow them anyways. Like, they just all around are very witty and very creative, and um, they do it in a, a really smart um, a smart marketing way. So they're, they're awesome. Um, I definitely recommend following them, but again, I'm not looking forward to this series because their baseball team is ridiculous right now. They have won 11 of their last 13 games, two straight series sweeps, one, four game sweep of Arizona. And then they're just coming off. They just swept the blue Jays. So, um, and I know this sounds funny and you can chuckle because I know you will, but as for how hot Arenado is, he's actually cooled off a bit the last seven games. He's only batting 423. <laughs> only. Whoa, is Nolan well, Arenado. Well, the reason why I say he's cooled off a bit is because he only has one home run in his last seven games, eight RBIs, 11 hits, uh, four walks and three strikeouts. His last 14 games look a little bit different, but so his last seven games, he's, he's, kind of come back down to earth a little bit. That basically just means he's making contact and hitting 
singles, doubles, that sort of thing. He's just not hitting the ball out of the park. So, um, you know, I, I've always liked him. He's, he's somebody that, um, obviously has made a name for himself. He's amazing defensively and, and he's, you know, he's, he's a tough out every time he comes up. Um, I just, I, this lineup is, it's a decent lineup. It's, um, you know, the usual suspects are, are hot right now. Um, it's, I'm actually, I, like I said, I would never wish harm anybody, but a Charlie Blackman, I feel like has always been a cub killer. So to not have him in the lineup is, is kind of a good thing for us. You know, if this, I don't know. I mean, I would really love to come in and say that we can win two out of three of these, but if the Cubs team that played in St. Louis shows up to play the Rockies, um, in that same, that same mentality, that same space, it's not going to happen. I mean, we really need to, we need to, you know, do something different against these guys because they are hot right now. And I, you know, a cold team is, is going into Colorado is not a good look for us. So something, something's got to give because these guys are not going to show us any mercy. <laughs> like, no, I like, kind of agree with you. Like I, the team that played in St. Louis this weekend is not going to have a great series against a Rockies team that looks pretty solid right now. So hopefully it's that team that was playing some really great baseball earlier in the season and the Cubs just need to get out of St. Louis and get back to Chicago. Maybe that will be the, that, that will be the change that jumpstarts a much better stretch of baseball for the Chicago Cubs. I mean, and like the one thing I was kind of looking at too with Colorado is they're starting pitching. Now, um, a couple of these guys – um, like Hoffman, he's got a 7.21 and only 15 strikeouts. But um, I don't believe, I didn't look at how many starts he has this year. But um, It's not see. very many. I don't have it up at the moment. If you give me a second, I can. Um, Jeff Hoffman is a relatively young pitcher for the Rockies. He was called up pretty recently. Uh, he, yeah, he's just making, it, this will be his third start since giving an op, given an opportunity in the rotation. So he hasn't had a great time so far in this new starting role, but they're going to, they're going to try it out for a while and see how it, see how it sticks. So that would be a nice time for the Cubs to maybe um, do some damage against a young pitcher. Who's not really settled in yet. That will be Tuesday's matchup uh, at Wrigley field. And that's, and he's going up against Hendricks. So again, you know, if the Cubs can, find a way to squeeze out a run or two, you know, that gives them a great chance to, to pull out that, that opening game of this series. So um, I really, really hope that's the case. You know, I, I hope that these guys can find a way to start producing on, you know, however they get these guys on base, if it's, they're starting to take walks, whatever, you know, there's gotta be some situational production happening here at some point. Yeah, uh, I, I it, something's got to change. Um, game two will feature, since we're talking about starting pitchers, Herman Marquez versus Yu Darvish. Yu Darvish has had a few, has strung a few good starts together in a row here. I like his odds of trying to do that again. I'm going to continue to like stay on the Yu Darvish comeback train and hope that he can have a really good outing on Wednesday against Herman Marquez. And then John Gray, it looks like, will match up against Jose Quintana. Uh, for the series finale on Thursday afternoon. Yeah, I'm looking for you, Darvish, to just give us another solid start. You know, his numbers were not bad. 
um, against St. Louis. It it felt a little rough, but it it was it was good. I mean, it was fine. He did what he needed to do. Nothing outstanding. Nothing you know crazy that uh you know I, I'm I'm you know vying for a Cy Young or anything like that. But he definitely is pulling his weight in this spot in the rotation. I just I'm going to continue to look for him to just improve on every start, and that's really where we're at with him. And as long as we can see that and we can get a solid start from him, I, I, there's no, really no reason to complain. So, you know, hopefully he comes out and just gives us another one. Yeah, that would be outstanding. And then I just want to return to batters for one second, highlight a couple of other things. You know, I know that we've been talking about how it feels like the Cubs aren't hitting with, well, it doesn't feel like the Cubs are not hitting with runners in scoring position and the offense has really seemed sort of anemic. The, Both the Rockies and the Cubs have one stat that's kind of strange but similar, which is that they each team has four players with a WRC plus over 125 in the last two weeks. And all of those four players are all slugging over 500. So they do have some batters who have been hot relatively recently. For the Rockies, that's Nolan Arenado. Trevor Story, who we have not talked about yet, but who has had been really hot recently and has had a nice 2019. David Dahl. And Daniel Murphy, who y'all may remember from brief stints in Chicago after being picked up off the waiver, uh, uh, off trade waivers in August. Um, And for the Cubs, that is Anthony Rizzo, he who just lost his 13-game hitting streak. Albert Almora Jr., who's been swinging a nice bat as of late. Chris Bryant and Jason Hayward, who, as we've noted a couple of times, has been heating up a little bit here. And and hopefully he can keep that up uh, against the Rockies. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the reaction of everybody when Daniel Murphy comes back to town. So, um, because, you know, everybody, I'm sure everybody, most people are aware of, um, you know, there's probably a good portion of Cubs fans were not excited about him joining the team. So it'll be different to see him in another uniform and see how the crowd reacts. I'm actually really curious as to how that'll go. Yeah, I'm a little curious about it, too. He wasn't really in Chicago long enough to endear himself. Like like you said, there were some concerns for fans with him coming over. And I I don't imagine he's going to be welcomed back with open arms, a la, you know, like Dexter Fowler or anything like that. But I find it hard to imagine that he's going to get a reaction like the one St. Louis fans gave Chris Bryant this weekend, which was really over the top for a one-line comment that a player made at Cubs convention. Listen, I live here. I'm just going to go ahead and say it, okay? These people, if you told them that Chris Bryant was the nicest person in the world, the only thing exciting about him is his bad haircut. And he, like, honestly... (laughs) Bad haircut. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it does not matter if if... 17 people in the crowd are doing it, then they're all going to do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that type yeah. of crowd. Like, no one is free thinking. It's like, it was like someone put out on a St. Louis website, Chris, when Chris Bryant comes up to bat, make sure you boo as loud as you can. Well, it kind of backfired because I don't know. Um, I I tweeted about it. I think you tweeted about it too. Um, when his first at bat, and I was watching for this because I was wondering how they were going to react. Uh, the Cubs dugout kind of made a joke out of it and Cubs fans kind of followed suit. So everybody in the dugout when he was coming up to bat in St. Louis started booing him as well. And I it was saw the, that. That was hilarious. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. So then, you know, some of the Cubs fans caught on and they started booing him too. So then it was like, then it's not fun because now you're taking away their fun. 
Like, why are you booing him? We're booing him. You don't get to boo him too. So yeah. So all the Cubs fans that I was around, we all started booing him too. And everybody was like, what, what is happening? Why are you guys booing him? Like, so, you know, it kind of backfired on him. Cause it's it just, you know, one of those things where you, you troll the trolls, you know? So yeah. it was, it was really funny, but I just, I'm like in St. Louis, there's no free thinking people, you know, they still boo Jason Hayward. Why would they? Why? Because they're mad that he picked Chicago over St. Louis for that. How, how many years contract? ago was that? He played one season in St. Louis. Ridiculous. One season. And they still boo him. It, it's it's really, really ridiculous. I will say that Dexter Fowler does still get standing ovations from Cub fans. And I I being one of them. He oh, always gets them. Yeah. He was going to get them until the end of time. The right, entire forever. 2016 team. I mean, that's what I, when Jake Arietta came back, he got a sustained standing ovation as well. And as it should be forever. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, even when I go to Cardinals games that aren't against the Cubs, I will give Dexter Fowler a standing ovation. Yeah. That, that I mean, he's. Oh, I was just going to say along those lines, the one player I'd be interested to see if he got that treatment, if he came back to Chicago is Araldus Chapman. So I don't know that Araldus Chapman would get the same standing ovation that like Dexter Fowler does, but no, be in a couple al- years before we see that. Right, right, right. Well, and along those same lines too, anytime um, Addison Russell did anything this weekend, I, I mean, I didn't even have to actively remind myself. I just didn't cheer. It was like, okay, next batter. Yeah. 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 And there was a lot of people like that. He got booed pretty good too. They didn't play that. Like I didn't hear that as much, but he, he got booed pretty good too, which. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I was, I was surprised about, but also kind of, um, I don't want to say glad, but also kind of um, happy that St. St. Louis fans had caught on to that. So there's that. There's the one thing that we agree on. <laughs> All right. So on that not happy note, uh, we are going to be seeing who, if anyone, gets booed at Wrigley Field in the next week as the Angels and the Rockies come to town. We're really hoping that the Cubs can get their comeback going here on Monday. Remember that it's a weird start time. It's a 305 game at Wrigley Field. So adjust accordingly, depending on if you're listening in a different time zone. And we will be back talking to you on a couple of times between now and the end of the series. So we're going to have our draft preview releasing later this afternoon, just in time for your commute home on Monday. And we'll be back again after the Rocky series uh, with a look back at that series. And hopefully Josh is going to join us one more time to look back and do a special episode about the draft and how the Cubs draft went. So that's, we've got a lot going on this week. We're going to share all of it here on at cup of cubby blue. As always, you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and have a great week. Bye.